Welcome into the Real Show podcast, and we are going to be talking restaurant. We're going to talk some foods with Thomas Wynn of Pelly Pelly. If you guys haven't been there, we'll tell you about it. Uh, but first, uh, big, big love to H-Town Sneaker Summit. They've got their big event coming up July 30th. It's the Sneaker Summit. It's pretty cool. Are you in the shoes, Thomas? I am. <laughs> okay, so have you heard about H-Town Sneaker Summit? I have. I, have. So, I haven't been able to go there. You got to go. Yeah. Man, it's awesome. So they got a storefront now. H-Town Sneaker Summit. Check out the website. They're all over Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the all the uh, social media platforms. But their big event, July 30th at the Bayou City Center. It's where all shoe heads, all sneaker heads gather up and you're walking around finding deals, bartering with people, talking to people. It's so cool. It's just it's just a, a bunch of like-minded people hanging out, discussing shoes and selling, trading, whatever you can. Man, that sounds uh, fun. Yeah, so yeah. that's July 30th. Get your tickets right now, htownsneakersummit.com. Uh, big love to Adrian and Brian. They've been on the show before. Uh, let's talk about Scott McGrath, McGrath Pest Control, McGrathPestControl.com. 5% off your first treatment if you mention the Real Show podcast. That's who I use at my house, and we were talking about homes out in the, out in the farmlands of Richmond, so you know <laughs> there's a lot of bugs out there. Um, if you have any issues, commercial or residential, you give McGrath Pest Control a call. McGrathPestControl.com. Remember, 5% off. Mention the Real Show podcast. Uh, H-Town Dental. That's my brother. UT grad also. Nice. Uh, H-Town Dental. Get your dental work done there. I've uh, recommended plenty of people off Twitter, my friends. And what happens is when you go to a dentist, they will tell you, you got to do uh, $5,000 worth of things and you really don't need them. Maybe you could do it cheaper. My brother loves giving a second opinion. He keeps it honest. He knows what it's like, especially if you're tight on money. Um, he is going to help you. If you can't afford it, you don't have dental insurance, he'll put you on a payment plan that is beneficial to you. And also, you will get a free cleaning and x-rays if you mention the Real Show podcast. Go to htowndental.com, two locations, two on the east side, one right here in the Galleria area, htowndental.com. All right, we're done. That was quick. It was easy. Big love to our sponsors out there. Thomas Wynn, UT grad. Um, big fan of your restaurant. I, Thank you. I, I went last year during uh, H Town Restaurant Week or Houston Restaurant Week, and I was actually watching the Team USA. I think they were playing France at the time. It was uh, they were playing in the FIBA Championships last year. Or was it was Olympics last year. It was Olympics yeah, last year. Yeah, Olympics. Olympics. So it was my wife's birthday, and we're over there enjoying it's coming dinner. Up then. I All right. yeah. <laughs> so my wife's birthday, and we're sitting there, and she's like, "Okay, you sure you want to go out today because Team USA basketball is on?" And I'm a huge basketball guy. That I love watching Olympic basketball. And she was cool enough. She's like, "All right, go ahead and just watch it while we're at dinner at Pelly Pelly," and then. It was awesome, a great experience, and I believe you guys were only what a, not even a year in at that point last year, right at the Galleria location. We, we opened in 2015. That was okay. our second uh, Houston restaurant. Week. Okay, that was the end of our. We had just finished like our first year. Wow. Yeah. So how's it been, man? Starting up a restaurant. It's an industry I'm familiar with. I used to work at Landry's. I okay. used to do their social media, so I'm familiar with the restaurant industry in terms of how crazy it is, how hectic it is. Uh, a lot of restaurants don't make it because it's an industry that you think it, it would have high profits, but it doesn't. The margins are really slim. Um, man, one incident could spiral into the end of your restaurant. Yep. Why restaurants? Uh, man, I wish I had a good answer for that. I, you know, I, I have no background in, in restaurants, mm -hmm. either in marketing or I didn't even work in a restaurant. Um, I have a law background. I went to UT for journalism, and then I went to law school at UT. Yeah. I thought I was going to live this American dream, um, and it didn't turn out that way, man. I hated, I hated uh, 
going to school, like once I got into law school, I knew it probably wasn't for me. Sure. I was hoping that once I got out and started working that it would be exciting and everything that yeah. you imagine it would be, and it wasn't. Um, this wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I like creating. I like interacting with people. Um, and uh, fortunately, I, you know, I met a couple guys, you know, Chef Paul, South yeah. African chef, and, and, and Michael Tran, who's a fraternity brother of mine at UT, um, you know, convinced me that, you know, I'm probably better off being an entrepreneur, working yeah. on something with them, and together the three of us have been able to create the Pelly Pelly Restaurant Group. Um, it hasn't been easy, but man, I never thought I would love the restaurant industry, and, and I yeah. do. It's it, if you don't love it, it'll kill you. Oh yeah, you it'll better grind love you it, yeah. to death. Uh, but if if you do love it, you know I love it because every day is a new day. Yeah. You know, people always ask me, "What do you do today?" I'm like, I really don't know because it's every day is a new challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. You know, there's it's not a set day, and some people hate that, but I love it. Yeah, um, I feel free. I work twenty four seven. You know, I don't have a nine to five per se. Sure, I'm always on. I'm always thinking. I'm always figuring out. You know, in in our restaurant industry is tough because every day is a new day. You know, you yeah. don't have a f- kind of finite product to sell. You know, if, if your chef is in a bad mood, <laughs> or the guys are sick and you're shorthanded, or your servers just had a breakup. They're not and they're in a bad mood. They can impact their customer, and that could easily lead to a one star on Yelp or or a bad review. So it's it's tough. So how lucky do you consider yourself that you you realize pretty early that you know what being a lawyer is not my calling, or being in this structured environment where you know you're not it's not exciting. A lot of people go to law school and that they do realize early, like man, this sucks. There's a lot of lot of reading, a lot of just sitting around, a lot of long hours mm-hmm. and the creative juices don't flow and somebody that and you went to a journal you went through the journalism school so did i cool that's as creative as it gets <laughs> i mean you I are love that cl- that yeah. was fun yeah so you were there what 90 94 to 98 94 98 and then uh, 98 to 2001 okay so yeah. you went so when, when you went back for law school and man it, that's got to be that you got to consider yourself lucky that you you realize pretty early that that's not your calling uh, you know, early is all relative. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm still paying for my law degree. Are you? Yeah, which I don't use. Man. You know? and, and, it's, and it sucks. But I've learned to appreciate the opportunities I have now and not yeah. kind of dwell on the past. I, you know, I started over at, at 27 with a mountain of debt. But I knew that if I hadn't, if I didn't make a move at that time, it might be too late. If sure. I were to have a family and kids, I might not have as much chances to take risks. I yeah. figured, hey, if I do the South African restaurant and people hate it in Houston, uh, you know, I guess, um, you know, file bankruptcy and go back to being a lawyer. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's there's worse things in life. So so after you graduated, uh, did you go into the workforce yes. as a lawyer? Yes, I worked with the great attorney, Lennon Wright, uh, for, for three years. And I mean, the firm was great. Mm-hmm. The work was just not what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, I ended up, dreading going waking up every morning Man. you know this thing you yeah. see on tv people are like miserable mm-hmm. uh you know driving home hating traffic cursing the world i'd i'd wake up and man i fucking hate it yeah. you know i mean I, and i was like what's wrong with me i'm supposed to love this and everything's supposed to be great you know the prestige the money and the parents are loving on it yeah. you know and but i was miserable man yeah i can't i can't even imagine like because I left, so I was in radio for, as soon as I graduated college, I was very lucky that I got into Houston right out of, right out of school. So nice. the top 10 market, right? And I did that and I started, I was like, all right, let me do social media because that's something that was exciting for me. 
And then that turned into a nine to five and I hated it. And like <laughs> when you have that feeling of when you have to go to work on Monday, you're in the wrong, you're, you're doing something yep. wrong. Like there should be no, and I tell, I tell college kids all the time now is if there's a Monday, if you feel like a Monday's coming, it's too late. Yep. Like you're in the wrong industry. Like you're doing space. Yeah. Where you're, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Like I love Mondays. A lot of people don't like Mondays, but when you're doing what you like, you're you're just like, all right, I'm time to get back to work, or it's 24 seven pretty much. If, and a you Monday don't mind to me that. is another day. Yeah, so I, I'm like, it's fine. I'm, yeah, I'm glad I had a little bit of a break on the weekends, mm-hmm. but you know, Monday is just it is what it is. You know, yeah, it's, an, it's, another it's just day. another day. To, like, another let's go day. have some fun. That's let's right. Go, let's go do something <laughs> cool. Uh, so you work for three years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's 2004, 2005. Yeah. When did you guys start opening up your first restaurant? It wasn't until we didn't later open on. Up, no, yeah. That's what a lot of people don't realize. Mm-hmm. I didn't go straight into leaving law and going into this, you know, restaurant concept. I mean, I, I was lost for a couple of years. Uh, you know, Michael, my business partner and one of my best friends, he, he was like, man, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is we, I started an Asian fraternity. It's, it's now the largest Asian interest fraternity in Texas. Okay. And we have nice. four chapters. It, it wasn't supposed to be that way. It was supposed yeah. to be like the movie Old School. We just wanted to start a fraternity, have some fun, and sure. kind of blossom into something bigger. But Michael was in our first class. And I was our social chair the whole time I was there. I love throwing parties. Yeah. I love promoting events. I love doing these things. And he was this guy that was really good with computer graphics at the time. And he would take my vision for how our flyers should look and put it on paper. Yeah. And that's how we became friends. Well, ironically, later on, when we'd meet for lunch, I tell him how miserable I was. Yeah. And he was like, you know, I've always thought you'd be more into like marketing or, and I was like, yeah, I guess, but I didn't even think of it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he had the foresight to kind of see what I should be doing before I did. Yeah. I didn't even think, I was like, how am I going to make money on it? I didn't even go to school for it. I mean, I don't even know what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. Um, but he convinced me, he said, listen, you're miserable here. Why don't you leave? I think the two of us together can do work. We can figure something out. Mm-hmm. He had a, a tech company at the time doing restaurant point of sale. I knew I, that wasn't our future, but I was hoping we'd figure something out. I trusted that we'd, t- together, our two minds, we'd figure something yeah. out. Paul was one of our first customers buying his point of sale system. What was the system called? It, he was a reseller for Aldello and Dinoware. Okay. And, uh, you know, at, the, at around 2005, it was still a big deal to kind of have, have a POS. Yeah. Now, if you don't have a POS... It's kind of weird, right? You'd be, yeah, your restaurant won't survive. Yeah, actually, correct. Right? I mean, then you're truly mom and pop. Yeah. You know, Paul had Paul's pizza shops at the time. He had three locations and he was looking for a new system. And, and he hired Michael. And we just became friends. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I remember walking through Paul's pizza shops and I was like, man, this place could not be any cleaner. I mean, he's so organized and he was doing like flavored crust, stuffed crust in 2005. Wow. Before. You know, now Before it's like, it hit yeah, everyone now everyone's it. Yeah. doing it. But yeah. back then it wasn't that common. And mm-hmm. so I was just amazed that he could make pizza so interesting and do it in a way. And I was like, man, if I ever do a restaurant, it would be with this guy. Yeah. Um, Paul went to Europe, came back and wanted to do a concept called Nando's. Uh, a Which lot of people don't realize that's so the original good. inspiration for our concept. And Nando's, if you're not familiar, is a, a South African fast casual. They do the piri-piri chicken, yep. which is spicy chicken and beer. It's a very simple concept. I've had it. It's really good. Um, he wanted to do it back here, but he thought he could do it better. Um, and, you know, he started having us over for dinner. 
because I was like, what's South African food? It sounds weird. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, no, nah, trust me. Come over for dinner. We'll, I'll cook. He started doing that, and we were really enjoying dinner, but I didn't think we were really serious about this because I was like, how, how, how could we, one, how could you start a restaurant? Two, you start a restaurant that doesn't exist in terms of the cuisine. Right? Yeah. Um, one thing led to another, and, and I was like, man, maybe this is destiny. I mean, maybe this is, so we are, the three of us, Michael was going to focus on operations and systems. What, when was this, about 2014? 2008. 2000, oh, okay, so this started, was 2008. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we were having dinners and talking about it, sure. and, and I was like, how serious are we here? And, uh, you know, Paul's like, listen, I love pizza, but I've always wanted to do South African for the mainstream because mm-hmm. I think everyone else that's done it in the country has done it wrong. Yeah. And, and I see what he's talking about. If you, there are other South African restaurants in the U.S., but they're, they care about what is and what is not South African. And it's 100% South African. It's not even like the way it looks, the way it's presented, the flavors. Are, you know, it doesn't quite fit the American palate, yeah. in our opinion. And, and I think what we've been able to do is take American food or food that you're familiar with and flavor it in a different way and using the period period pepper. Uh, and then on the flip side, take traditional South African foods and kind of Americanize it. Mm-hmm. Um, and between the two, uh, now we don't really care what South African, it's, it's a melting pot of cultures and flavors. That's exactly. That's all we care about. That's I why mean, your restaurant's so good is because I, I, I think so. Yeah. I, I think that's why people are like, they, you know, I don't really care whether you love us because we're South African because that's not really what's important. Yeah. Um, I really, I mean, you got three owners of a South African restaurant, two of us are Vietnamese. What the fuck do we care, right? Who is, what is South African or not? Clearly we're not, right? Mm -hmm. So all we really care about is being able to bring new flavors to people. And really, I love the melting pot aspect of our concept. You know, uh, there's Indian flavors, Portuguese, British, and we're throwing in Vietnamese. We're about to do uh, Korean-inspired short rib um Man. You know, meats at a yeah. restaurant that starts for houston restaurant week that's not south african not at all but I, i've always thought man korean marinated ribs are awesome how do we south africanize it yeah and do it our way and man that's i love it so i hope people will enjoy it yeah that's that's one of the cool things um for for you guys is because the name peli peli you hear and if you're not familiar with nando so i'm i'm familiar with nando's okay. i've gone overseas uh, I remember going to D.C. when they first opened just to go eat at the Nando's yep. there because it's so like it's if you've had it once, it's almost like this subculture of food where you have to go to Nando's. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, so when it first opened, I was like, wow, is Nando's opening up a restaurant here called Peli Peli? So I had no idea mm. that it was a local group doing it. And then the more I started learning about you guys and and that's my fault. You know, I wanted to reach out to you last year after I learned that, man, there's UT guys running this. <laughs> and it just slipped my mind. And then uh, something came across my timeline from Pelly Pelly. I said, man, you know what? I want to reach out to these guys and let's talk man, to them. Man, I'm glad you did. That yeah. was cool. Thank uh, you for that. But that, that. And that's the thing is, even though the name Pelly Pelly suggests that South African mm-hmm. flavor for people that know, I think in general, for those that don't, you're just like, oh, it's just a new restaurant. Yeah. Like you're not pigeonholed into one sect of food and that's why you can do interesting things and try it out and people will be okay and supportive yeah uh, that's a very cool thing to have and it's rare you don't get that in the restaurant industry it's like once you're a pizza place that's it don't you dare try anything else you know you know and i just think that's the world we live in mm-hmm. i mean it used to be i mean people would just want they're all about adapting there's new things happening all the time yeah. and, and your business needs to be able to adjust in the right way 
not change for the sake of change, but sure. changing, evolving, really, right? Uh, I want to see what other flavors we can do. I want to see what other nationalities or cultures we can highlight because yeah. I think we have the platform to do that. You know, I, I don't think we just, I don't want to cook the same things or I don't think Paul wants to cook the same things like year over year yeah. over year. I mean, <laughs> that's not evolving, yeah. you know, and, and I mean, why not do interesting things that incorporate Asian flavors? Yeah. You know, we do a banh mi at PPK. Uh, that doesn't make sense. That's not South African, no. but we're doing it. People, when they eat it, they know it's us because it's still you can taste our flavors in it. Sure. Yeah. So 2008, you guys start discussing this. Mm-hmm. You guys are getting very serious about this. How old are you at the time? I was, let's see. Uh, I don't want to age you on air. No, but. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm, I just turned 41. So we're looking at what? 32? 32. Yeah. So, uh, are you married at the time? I'm not married at the time. Not married when at I, the time. When I, so. met my, I met my wife in 2007. Mm-hmm. And we were, she was, we were just boyfriend, girlfriend at the time. Okay. I was not a lawyer anymore. So when she met me, I was in this weird, weird thing. So I'm like, baby, I love you. Because when I met you, I was in this weird, I'm not a lawyer anymore. Yeah. And then I'm talking about a South African restaurant. She, she must have thought I was crazy. Yeah. But, you know. so I, but at that age, um, you know, not being married, you don't have that commitment. You don't have mm-hmm. that fear of taking that step. Because I think a lot of people run into this later on in life is, okay, you're married, you have kids, yeah. and you, like, you're leaving a steady paycheck to take this leap of faith. Um, and that, that's a tough thing. And, I mean, I'm not saying you didn't because you also had to leave something. You had to take this leap of faith, mm-hmm. and you had to go for it all. So what happened from 2008? to 2014 2015 when you guys are planning here to open up what happened in those years uh so 2008 and man i when i left it was rough because i had to move back in with my parents Mm -hmm. you know whatever had paid down on my student loans got deferred so all the interest ended up ended up going back to basically what it was before um and i didn't have a plan and that's that's tough you know my mom's telling me that's what an idiot I am every day. Sure. She loves me now, but you know, at the time it was it was it was bad. Yeah. Um Asian parents I, are not hey, down with they're not <laughs> down with taking risks like that. Eight years later, they're finally kind of starting yeah. to come around. But you know, we so we started we were originally gonna open a small location mm-hmm. called Peri Peri Grill, you know, and we ended up doing a big location at Vintage Park because uh, they there was a big spot in the middle of the complex mm-hmm. that their leasing didn't work out. This is in 2008. People were getting hammered. They're, all the landlords are losing their LOIs. Yeah. It was really bad. And we were, we were like, we were already committed at the time. We we're like, man, either we're going to take a massive loss, um, or we're just going to make this happen. Yeah. And you know, we pushed ahead, got friends and family involved, opened up our first location, and man, it was crickets. Yeah. Um, you got an Asian guy telling people about South African food in 2009. In the suburbs, it's not happening. Yeah. I mean, Paul was working his ass off seven days a week. We we're both stressed. I've never even worked in a restaurant before. Sure. He's barking at me all the time because I'm doing all these stupid things. But man, I think our saving grace was we we did we enjoy working with people. And the few customers that we had, we were able to take care of. Okay. And you know, they and they I think they understood and saw our hustle and they were like, yeah. Man, these guys I want a roof for these guys. I don't want them to close. Um and they were the sole reason why that kept kind of kept us going. That word of mouth started picking up. You know, we almost closed a few times because we weren't, we were about to not make payroll. Sales weren't there. Yeah. Um, getting people, there weren't reviews at the time. You couldn't go and Google it. Yeah, it was 2009 nothing. it was. Nothing. So 
and the smartphones center, the are just like dead. yeah yeah the complex was dead i mean it, for the first three years like 30 percent occupied it was bad for everybody yeah. i mean there are people closing around us and you know we are also learning how to properly market our concept we didn't know who we were yet mm -hmm. you know are we really south african what are we and that took some time and and thankfully people started voting for us for awards we started you know winning food competitions people kind of gaining some credibility um people were really enjoying the experience and and because we didn't have a marketing budget we ended up kind of creating this grassroots marketing campaign mm -hmm. that focused on reviews and which is a hallmark of our concept now yeah so it's funny how things work you know i always tell people man if i had a big budget back then if we had a lot of money to use I don't even know if I'd be around yeah. because I, I, I don't think I would have done all the things that have led up to what I do now. Like you have to you think know? outside the box. And we just, had to think and, outside and the and box. And hustle and make it work somehow. And really value the relationship mm -hmm. as opposed to just straight marketing and all these people coming in and you don't yeah. know them. You know, uh, It was actually worked in our favor that so few people came in that yeah. we were able to fine-tune our product. And also get to know that every single person that would come in. I mean, so that was two thousand nine. Is two thousand two thousand? Okay, so I uh, my fault. I thought you guys opened the first location like two thousand fourteen out mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So two thousand nine. Um, and you been guys around are, for a bit. For yeah. been around for a bit. My my bad. I, no, I didn't no, no, know no, that. Um, Everyone thinks our first location is the Galleria. Yeah. And so they're like, you guys are growing like crazy, and I'm like, no, no, no. We've been grinding. For so this years. is yeah. So the grind has been going on for a while, and. To open in that time, man, that was a rough time. 2000, 2007 to like 2012 was rough. Yep. Because it, it, not only, obviously, the economy is just, we, we don't know what the hell's happening, mm -hmm. right, at that point. But also, it's in a time where people's habits online are changing. Mm -hmm. Facebook is becoming this monster. Yep. Smartphones are becoming a thing where it's now, it's not a luxury, it's a necessity. Mm -hmm. um, online sites at that point, Foursquare is even starting to pop up. Uh, Yelp is starting Man, to become. I remember all the websites. All those, like, right? Yeah. Like Foursquare was such a big deal for about a year, and ev everyone's focusing on Foursquare. Mm -hmm. You got to check in. You go to a restaurant and they used to have big signs saying, yeah. please check in on Foursquare. Twitter's becoming a thing. Um, remember of course, MySpace? MySpace. <laughs> yeah, I never got on MySpace. That I was one. Either. I, I never. One, yeah. yeah, I never did that one. I did Friendster. Do you remember Friendster? I remember Friendster. Yeah. So Friendster was one. Yeah. Um, so I would. I remember Facebook started when I was in college, and when UT finally got access to it, it was a huge thing. Wow. Because you had to have that college uh, email address, mm -hmm. right? Man, Facebook at that time, I was like, holy shit, this website know, is crazy. You know, if the if the market didn't crash, though, mm -hmm. I don't know if Houston would be where it's at. You Why know, so? Because, yeah, how so? Because I always tell people, I mean, in my opinion, mm -hmm. uh, we were the only city that was not kind of devastated from sure. the, the downturn. And so if that didn't happen, I mean, we were the only city that was growing after 2008. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you remember... Like, Houston looked nothing like it does now before 2008. Yeah. I mean, you have all these developments. You have all these homes. People are moving here like crazy because there was the only place you could still, that still had jobs. The, the cost of living was lower. Yeah. Um, There's so many benefits to it. So I don't know if we that would have happened. You know, if everything was fine or, you know what I mean, we went through, like, a small recession. Yeah. I mean, Houston blew up after that. Yeah, uh, we really um, did. Uh, and, you're and, right. And it, I'm proud of that. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, it's always... 
things that we were like, why did this happen? Why do we have to go through this? And, you know, sometimes, I mean, that happened for a reason. I yeah. think we, our city certainly benefited from it. So you guys start grinding. You start plugging away. You're figuring things out. You're a guy that, I mean, you went to, so you went to journalism school, right, mm-hmm. at, at UT in a prestigious journalism school, all right, one of the great institutions of our time. I love our journalism school. <laughs> I thank them every day. Because uh, that's where I realized that, man, I don't want to do TV journalism. That, you know, the, the, yeah. the irony is I didn't even do it for that. I, yeah. It was a means to an end for law to school? get to law school. And I, w- I wanted to do advertising. Or I bounced around all these different yeah. majors. And I did it because I, I like writing. And uh, I, somebody said something to like, hey, the, the program's great. And I'm like, makes sense. Um, I use that more than my law degree now because I write for the Houston Press yeah. on occasion. But it's, I loved this. I loved it. I yeah. loved the classes. It did. Uh, I, it, I, I did pay attention because it was things that, like, was interesting. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I mean, it's it, the way to get a story out there. Mm-hmm. You learn that side of a thing from a yeah. restaurant and a business standpoint is, oh, I know what makes journalism t- journalists tick. Mm-hmm. Like, I know what their their drive is. It's an interesting story. How can we get that to know the backside of it? Like how yep. they operate. It's, it's got to be invaluable. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, journalism. Journalism. We we. So there was a few few students in our class that were like you. They were using journalism to get to law school, mm. and that was it. And I remember my parents would always tell me, they're like, "What do you want to do again? You want to work in sports talk? What is that? What? What? The, oh, this is so weird. That's Why don't you go to law though, school? <laughs> you know, that's funny. I'm like, man, restaurant is a cool. Like, I, I'm thinking of like, man, I would love to own a restaurant. You know. Um, but yeah, that that's one of those things. Like a lot, there was a lot of kids that would do that. Where like, well, I'm gonna go to law school with this degree, and we would immediately point them out and be like, "Yeah, we forget those kids. They're not gonna help us in the long term because yeah. they already have they already have a goal, mm-hmm. you know." But uh, yeah, journalism is an interesting one. So you guys are plugging around. You're you're making this work. You're figuring it out. You're fine tuning your product at this time, also mm-hmm. with a with a smaller audience, which I'm sure that's got to be one of the big reasons why now you can scale and put things up and put things on the uh, on the menu that you know would work or offer things that would work. Yeah. That that that's one of the cool things starting small it has to be, right? Like being able to do that. We were I mean you're right. Like now we can take a lot of risk because mm-hmm. we have some credibility with our customer base and also we we're very quick to to we have a better team now of what actually makes it on the menu what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um it's a much more collaborative effort. Pause it. Man, he, he doesn't get enough credit for what he does, it, but we are able to. He's able to take a lot of our ideas and actually make it happen. Yeah. Um, you know, I know. Oftentimes, he people think of him as more of a showman or a restaurateur, but man, the guy can cook. I mean, he, everything that is on our menu, he's he's had a hand on or created, and it it, it tastes amazing. Yeah. Um, I give him credit because in the, in the beginning, we give him these ideas, and he was like, "Man, I don't know," but. I think Paul has an open mind, and I think he that's what kind of gives him that's his one of his greatest skill sets is yeah. having that outside the box thinking you know even when we brought to him the whole Korean marinated short ribs, he was like, sure, I, I think I can do it better, yeah, you know so um you know just that kind of thought process it's great and he I think to him he's over the fact that some chefs they just want to cook what they want to cook. Paul wants to cook what people like. Uh, you know, so there's a big difference in that. It's a big too. difference. Yeah. Some people get, get mad at that. They're like, "Hey, you're not being true to yourself." But it depends on why you're doing it. You know, I mean, if you want to do it, if you want to cook what you want to cook, mm-hmm. then it's a hobby. You know, if you want to cook 
to make money, make people happy, it's a business. Yeah. So there's no, there's no wrong or right. It's just that, I mean, Paul's in the business of making people happy so they'll keep coming back and so we can keep growing. Yeah. You know, on the side, if he wants to cook whatever he wants to cook, that's fine. But if you own a restaurant, I don't think you have that luxury. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, that's funny you bring that up. I was listening to a podcast and um, there's a story. It was actually, uh, it was This American Life. NPR's This American Life. And we were talking about podcasts before this, like in traffic. Uh, you and I both live roughly around the same area, so there's a long drive into the, yep. into work. And I've talked about this on the show before. It's like if you can embrace traffic and make some good use out of it, yep. learn something while you're – like I love pod- – I wish I had more time to listen to podcasts in my day. But with a two-year-old and, you know, of course, a family, it's hard to mm-hmm. sit down. But at night even I listen to podcasts. And I was listening to This American Life and they had Penn and Teller on. And it's funny, they had a, a similar story about like how you and Chef Paul, you just talked about uh, Chef Paul, about Teller was working on this joke, or excuse me, this trick, right? He's working on this, in, in this trick that he found, like, it's true magic, it's true, um, uh, it's true to the craft, and it's awesome. And then he goes and tells Penn about it, he shows Penn, and Penn goes, yeah, but the audience isn't going to like this. Like, I get technically this is mm-hmm. great, but... Why would the audience care about this? Yeah. So they go back and they refine it. But it's even at that level yep. where if you're just doing it for yourself, that's great. But if there's no payoff for the end business side of it, like yep. why would an audience want to see that? Why would an audience want to eat that? Yep. Then why are you doing it? You know, like you got to find that fine balance. How hard was it to find that fine balance with, with, with Chef Paul? I, you know, it really wasn't that hard. I mean, I, I'll say... The first few years of us working together weren't easy at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hated each other at times because we didn't trust each other. Um, w- w- you know, Paul harbored some ill feelings from previous bad business partnerships that he had mm-hmm. had. He didn't trust people. He didn't trust that I could do what I said I could do because yeah. I didn't have any. I didn't even know if I could do it. Yeah, I, I don't have any bar- background in what I do. Um, it took us some time, but one thing that he's always, we've always been on the same page about is customer is king in terms of what is and what is not mm-hmm. right my partner michael always says man if a, if a tree falls you always hear if a tree falls in a forest you know if it doesn't make a sound i mean did it fall and we're always you know if it doesn't make an impression it didn't happen mm-hmm. if people don't like it it's not good i really don't care if you think it's good i don't care if the critics think it's good if people don't like it it's not good and that's kind of how we approach everything that we do yeah. i mean from our marketing campaigns to whatever, we read our Yelp reviews. We read every review every morning. And if, if where there's smoke, there's fire. If people are saying something, even if I don't believe it, it's happening. Yeah. You know, and I have to kind of have put my personal thoughts aside and, and make the adjustment. Yeah. So you go from the one restaurant, things start turning up a little bit. You're getting more awards. Your people are responding now. Uh, what? So when did you guys decide to leave that? I'm sure at that point you're kind of in a comfort zone where you know what you're doing. You you feel like you know what the people want. When did you decide to leave that and say, let's go open another restaurant? And sure. the second one was the Galleria location, right? The second one was the Galleria location in 2015. And that's high stakes. That's high that stakes was, now. We basically went all in. Yeah. You know, if, if the Galleria didn't work out, all three of us would be first in line at the uh, with the bankruptcy attorney. I yeah. mean, that, that we made a decision. And we always... We want to be the group that takes South African national. And we didn't think we'd ever have that opportunity 
in the first couple of years at Vintage. I was just trying to survive. Sure. So I'm like, forget going national. I don't even know if we can make it in the suburbs of Houston. Here. Yeah. And so once we turned the corner and we felt like, wow, people are really responding. They're really enjoying this. And, you know, I think we hit number one on TripAdvisor around 2014. And we're like, okay, we got something. You know, people really are responding to this. We can do this. And so from there, we, we figured out, listen, we've got to prove the concept. Um, and people were still thinking at that point, you guys are doing great, but it's because you're out in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. I don't think you would survive inside the loop or, you know, competing with the real restaurants in yeah. Houston. That was, we heard that, man, so many times. For, That's a weird thing to say because <laughs> if you can, honestly, if you can survive with a different taste out in the suburbs, yeah. of all places where it's all pizza joints, wings, burgers, maybe a Cajun and, restaurant. And what like, it is is the landlords think it's, it's because they have no other option. Yeah. And, and I get that. I mean, there's certainly logic to that. Yeah. You know, they're like, once you get into inside the loop where people have thousands of options within sure. a walking okay. distance, how are you going to compete? I don't think you can. Or they, they just didn't trust it. Okay. So Galleria was our, fuck you, we're going to make this happen. And we had to make it work. And, um, and thankfully... Um, you know, our customer base responded and, and people were, I mean, Houston's just a perfect city for us to do this in because mm-hmm. it's, so, it's already a melting pot. I mean, if we open this in a more conservative town or less diverse city, I don't think it would work as well as it yeah. has. Um, so for us to start in Houston, it's just been a blessing. Yeah, and uh, there's also been this revolution in Houston food and the culinary mm-hmm. scene where there are more, you know, in 2010, there's more food trucks opening up. There's you know, these chefs are coming in. Chef Caswell was one of the big, you know, one of the big yep. pushers of this. And he's opening up Reef and he's mm-hmm. opening up uh, El Real. And now, like, there's some national headlines here and people are excited about going and trying new places. It also came at a point where ever since 2010, Houston has been a place where yeah. if, if there's something interesting, people are going to support it. And that's been the case for the Galleria location. I mean, it seems like soon as you guys opened, it was all over my Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and you it also didn't annoy yeah, me. You know, it, it, it actually attracted me. I was like, "We got to cool. go try this place now," and it's also because of food. Is it, it, it on social? It looks so good. You yeah. know, like the, the hanging steak. Mm-hmm. It looks awesome. You got the melting butter on there. The wings are really good. Um, Everyone always mentions the wings. The wings That's are so funny, outstanding. <laughs> That's I'm so glad y'all put that on the the restaurant week mm-hmm. uh, tasting menu there because I probably I, I don't, I'm not a big appetizer guy. But, you know, you have to pick one, right, yep. for the, the tasting menu. And I'm so glad to pick that. That's one of the most memorable things. And then seeing the food, how important has that been, the social side of things? And from a marketing perspective, because you handle all the marketing, mm-hmm. how important has that been to have food that not only leaves an impression on your palate, but also on the social, on the picture side of things to attract other customers? Yeah, it's for us, it ha- it's super important because people mm-hmm. already have some people already have these preconceived notions of what South African food is, or they're thinking, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't really want to find out because it doesn't, you know, if I tell you, hey, let's go eat South African, you're not, it's not like most people are like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, people are like right. crickets. They're like, I'm not interested. Mainstream is just getting comfortable with bon mis that's right now. Right. They're like, oh, let's go get Vietnamese food. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> and so pictures have to yeah. speak to them and they have to be able to look at it and say, holy cow, that looks really good. Maybe I should try it out, yeah. you know. And so for us, it, everything about our restaurant, we, we learned a long time ago, we have to give people every reason to try us out. And then the food is the last component. 
you know, so we spend a lot of time and money on making sure we create these innovative and interesting venues. Mm -hmm. You know, even Peli Peli Kitchen, it looks, I think it looks great for a fast casual. We're trying to reinvent how a fast casual place looks. Um, We focus a lot on art. Um, We focus a lot, you know, it's the whole place is spray painted, graphics, murals on the walls. Um, Vintage Park and Galleria and Cinco Ranch all have a canopy of lights. That's it's our so kind of cool, our hallmark, yeah. and they they're all different. You'll never see what you see at the gallery again. Oh, really? Okay. Because we always want to continue evolving. Gotcha. I want to. I don't want people to say, "Oh, yeah, that looks like the gallery." Yeah. Like I want them to come to Katie and be like, "Holy cow, that looks cool," you know, and continue to see how yeah. how do we one up this? But I want people to come in because our reviews are legit. You know, I want them to come in because we're ranked top ten on TripAdvisor. I want them to come in because the place looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. I really don't care if they realize it's South African or not because I'm confident that once they sit down and eat our food, and again, as long as they enjoy it, I don't care if you think it's Italian. Yeah. If you love it, you have a great time and it's memorable. That's all that we care about. So was it, obviously it was hard opening up the Galleria mm-hmm. location. You, you guys are all in at this point. You're leaving this, you're, you're leaving that initial goal of, okay, we have the first restaurant. Now it's time to expand. And that's, that's got to be nerve-wracking, but was it easier or harder to open that second location compared to that first one? It was difficult in a different way. You know, the first time we opened, we didn't, we didn't, people weren't even trying it out. The second time when we opened the Galleria, people already heard about it. Mm-hmm. They could go online, so I didn't have to deal with that. The, the biggest issue we had going for, is going from one to two. We didn't know what kind of infrastructure was necessary to be able to scale from one location to two. Oh, Super man. tough. Yeah. Um, our systems weren't ready. We weren't, our training manuals weren't right. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, how do you take, it's easy when me and Paul are at Vintage and we're overseeing things. Yeah. Well, you can't oversee two locations 24-7, you know, and so there was some, there's a lot of difficulty in kind of getting the consistency right. You almost um, have to create that corporate structure that's at right. this point, right? That's right. Because you're, you're having now, to create it and without yeah. really knowing what you need, um, you know uh how much that and that takes a lot of money yeah uh, we didn't realize that we were short so it, it was a learning experience for sure that we we barely got out so of. how did you create it how uh, did you end up figuring this out just grinding it out mm-hmm. i mean we've we're really good at being an egoless company in terms of listen if we made a decision and it doesn't work forget the ego let's figure out a solution quickly yeah um we have uh michael is a visionary when it comes to what the company needs from the next three months to six months to nine months. Thank God I don't have to worry about that. Um, Paul is really great at coaching and building his team in terms of the kitchen. You know, we don't have kitchen manager. I mean, we don't have chefs. We hire kitchen managers and we promote from within heavily. So almost every manager, every corporate member, every kitchen manager is a former line cook or server. Wow. Um, We've hired a few great people from outside in, but more often than not, probably 90% of our hiring has been from within. So Sorry right. to cut you off there. How many? So when you had the first location, how many people were, were on the staff? How many people? We have, there's about 80 to 90 per flagship. So, wow. you know, it's, and that's, that that's includes everybody. time part-time, that's, everybody. Yeah, that's yeah, everybody. yeah. So it's a big operation. I yeah. mean, Vintage Park and Galleria average about 5,500 square feet. Man. Um, and, you know, it, it takes a team. Um, yeah. Galleria is tough because, you can't like at vintage it's basically 11 to 2 and then there's nothing mm-hmm. until like 5:30 to close you know galleria 
because we're at the mall, I mean, there's people trickling in all day, mm -hmm. all night. Um, and it requires so much staff. Right now, between Galleria, Vintage Park, Pelly Pelly Kitchen, Pelly Deli, and then now adding um, Katie, mm -hmm. you're looking at about 350 employees total. Wow. Yeah, Did you think it would be this big? No, I didn't. I didn't. Man. I didn't. To get in that 300 range is... It's, it's significant, and it, it you know, I... I, honestly, I, I'm enjoying it now. Yeah. But I'd be lying if I told you I could have foreseen where we're at at this point. You know, we're about to add a location in Austin. Oh, at nice. The end of the year, which is great because we're both Longhorns. Where are you? Uh, where is it? Which? Uh... Uh, we're taking over Cantina Laredo, downtown Austin, third in Colorado, next to the W Hotel. Oh, I know exactly where that. That's so, a, that's a good um, area. I'm really feeling that location. Yeah. Um, we're around a lot of great restaurants. Um, they're building so much residential a few blocks away from us because I-35 is so congested. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to be able to go back. You know, Austin's always felt like second home because, I mean, I spent, I only spent seven years there. But, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, that seven years when you're in college and undergrad, I mean, that's, that's the time that you're growing. Yeah, your best most. memories. Some of your best memories, Some of the best memories come during, during college, time. right? Yeah. And it's, of course... As a hum as just a natural human instinct is, you remember the good times, mm -hmm. and you remember where it was, yeah. and it's, oh, Austin. Let's go back to Austin. So now that you get to go back there for work, and you can just say, oh, I'm going there for work Man, now. It's, it's great. Yeah. And, and it, it was, it's meaningful to me just because when I came to Austin, I was every bit of a loser, as you can imagine. I was super shy. I was socially awkward. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have any confidence. I didn't have any friends, for that matter. And so going to Austin was pivotal because, I mean, it basically changed my life. Yeah. Um, I met the best friends that I could ever meet in life, and they encouraged me to be who I am today. Yeah. Um, without that, I don't know what would have happened. So I'm always very thankful. I love driving on uh, 35, and the minute you see the capital, you know, when you're driving in, it yeah. still gives me, you know. It gives you a good a feel, feeling. Right? You know, I'm like, ah. Yeah. You go I-1071? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's right there. I-1071, man. Yeah. And you got to stop when you get on 71. Yeah. You got to stop at Hruska's. That's you right. Get the kolache. That's right. My wife's you like, gotta, why are you always stopping here? I'm you like, got to get the kolache. That's, yeah. my, my wife went to Baylor. <laughs> okay. So she's a Baylor grad. So she didn't know about the uh, magic that is Hruska's. Yeah. And like we've seen that place as and now when that's you go nice by. It's nice now. It's, it's really huge. nice. Yeah, it's, it's huge. It's, it used to be just like five counters. Yeah. And you get your kolaches and you're on your way. Now it's like an emporium of kolaches. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Uh, so the Galleria location is open. Uh, it's open in 2015. Mm -hmm. um, you guys go through the first summer. You, you did your first Houston restaurant week. Yep. Uh, and I went last year. So during your second year, uh, it's been a rousing success. I mean, you can't. It's been awesome. It's been good. Really good. It's been really good. Yeah. So now this is a success. Then you introduce the fast casual concept. Yeah. So yeah. widely again. So now you're challenging yourself to open up something that you probably know about a little bit because it, it's taken over. I mean, mm -hmm. fast casual is a big part of the American dining experience. You know, fast food is kind. Of, it's still there. It's going to make its billions of dollars. But as more health conscious and just dietary conscious people are starting to eat, mm -hmm. I'd rather go to a to an Uberito or I'd rather go to a casual place yep. instead of going to McDonald's. Um, why leave that comfort zone of, all right, we got the Galleria location. We know what works. Let's go open up another one, which you did, though, and Katie. Mm -hmm. Why try something totally different? Or was it totally different? Two big reasons why we opened Pelly Pelly Kitchen. Number one is 
if we're going to be the concept that takes it national, we've, we've believed in our hearts that we have to have both components. Mm-hmm. We have to have a fine dining and a fast casual. If we don't, somebody's going to eat our lunch. You know, somebody's going to yeah. do it. Um, we want to be able to, and, and plus, you know, you, you only want to have a few fine dining concepts in every city, but the growth model is potentially the Peli Peli Kitchen. Yeah. Um, another reason why is because there's a, there was a lot of people that, we do a lot of community work, and we do a lot of work with the community, and a lot of them couldn't afford to eat at our fine dining restaurant, and it didn't make sense to us. I'm like, how are we helping people, and we don't even have food that they can eat on a regular basis, right? So we purposely... Well, like fast casual, everything's under 15 bucks. Um, there's a lot of things under 10 bucks. Um, really? It's wow. affordable for families. A family of four can easily eat for under 50 bucks and eat well. I mean, it's good portions. And, you know, the last thing, too, is uh, you know, from a business standpoint, I think fast casual is the future. I mean, if you, if you think about fast casual, if, when it's done right, it's going to put out a lot of the places like the Chili's and a lot of the sit-down casual places. Yeah. Because if you think about it, why would, if you're paying the same amount, right, wouldn't you rather get your food immediately? Like at our restaurant, it's like Luby's, right? There's my food. I get it. There's no waiting. Yeah. There's also no tipping um, for the most part. Um, so for people, they're like, I can eat. I can pay the same amount that I would at Chili's, but now I don't have to deal with the server. Mm-hmm. I get my food faster, and I don't have to tip, so I'm actually paying a little bit less. Why not? And I think that is the future. Yeah. And, and I think, um, well, at least for me, when I'm driving down Westheimer, which, I mean, that's like restaurant death row almost, where <laughs> you'll see one pop up and one close right away. I mean, I don't see as many chilies. I don't see as many sit-down sure. restaurants anymore. And you're right, because of that that model of people just want to get in, get out. If you're going to pay that home, price point, yeah. why would you? And it's so yeah. funny. Anytime we go to a sit-down restaurant, I always compare it to, man, we just end up paying $60 here. I could have gotten a meal that I knew I would have been satisfied with for under 20 bucks. Yeah. You know, so you're right. It is going to, it is that. So how's the first one been? How's the uh, oh, Pelly Pelly Kitchen great. been? And uh, where is it? It's at Spring, in Spring Branch at uh, the northeast corner of Campbell and I-10. Okay. And man, Spring Valley has just really embraced this. I, we knew it was kind of a food desert there. Mm-hmm. Um, other than Jonathan's The Rub and, you know, a few Buff Burger, a few other local favorites, uh, there weren't a lot of places to eat for that demographic. Um, And we wanted uh, to kind of create something that hopefully they could call their own. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a big risk because it could easily fail. Uh, Paul had to create a whole new menu. Man. Um, And, you know, we were on the show, uh, Restaurant Startup on CNBC for it. And that's when we knew that, man, we have something. Um, You know, we did really well on the show, um, but it took us some time because we didn't have the the finances to kind of create a new concept so quickly. Um, but we made it happen and it's been great. I look forward to, I mean, it's been a, a success. Um, our reviews are crazy good. Awesome. Uh, How really long has it been open now? Since November. Man, that's awesome. So the restaurant startup story, we got to talk about that. You yeah. guys get on the show. Um, and you had, you had somebody backing it, but then they ended up leaving, correct? We, Elizabeth Lau was, she took Joe Bastianich's place for our episode. So okay. it was her and Tim Love who's coming to Houston and, um, she was great. I mean, she's everything she said was wonderful. I, I'm sure she knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, when she came down to Houston, it just wasn't a good fit. Okay, I, I think she thought, like a lot of people do, that these three guys, I'm not sure they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Michael and I are relatively inexperienced in the restaurant industry, and I think she had the mindset that 
she, you know, she just knew better than the three of us. Sure. Maybe not Paul, but certainly over me and Michael, um, myself and Michael, and, and it just wasn't a good fit. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't want to feel like an employee. You know, I wanted to feel like a teammate or a coworker, and it just wasn't that way. Yeah. And it was a tough decision because I thought we were throwing away our future because I really did think she was going to take us to the next level. Yeah. Um, so it was a good thing for us to go through to prove to ourselves that you know what, you know what you're doing, man. How was how was that uh how was that filming experience? Oh man, that was one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Yeah, talk about that. Like my, we went out there for three days just to because it's a competition. The first fifteen minutes of the show, you're competing against one other concept, and then they pick one of the two, and then you spend the next forty five minutes proving your concept. So we spent three days. We won it. Then they flew us back out for another five days. So total, we're out there for eight days. Man, but we were able to bring our team. And, man, around that time, Michael and Paul, I mean, yeah, Michael and Paul and myself, we were still not 100% gel. I mean, this is, I mean, you're, you're talking about, what, uh, six years later still? And we're still, we were getting along, but, man, we'd have these blow-ups sure. every now and again. And so that trip really started helping us get on the road to really trusting each other. And, like, it was like therapy almost. And, man, we... The hours are long. I mean, I thought TV was glamorous. <laughs> it's not, man. And, and they're messing with you the whole time, trying to make you set. So it's a very stressful environment, yeah. right? Because they want you to blow up. They want you. They want you to blow yeah, up. They want, they want, you want to they're, blow they're, up. They're, they're they're poking at you the whole time. Sure. They're trying to turn shit off. I mean, they're trying. They say they don't, but I know they they were yeah. messing with us. And because they want TV drama, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. No one wants to watch. Uh, a bunch of people come in, they have a great experience. They kill it. Like, yeah. It was really great. There's no drama. That doesn't rate. The rating is, ooh, look at this fight. Or and, look at and this. And we were yeah. more experienced than most of the people that were going on the show. Yeah. So I think they went a little overboard and really trying to mess with us. Yeah. Um, and we were thinking, man, if we mess up on live TV or TV, we're going to look like idiots. It's going to kill our concept. Sure. So we were so stressed. But we were able to bring our teammates out. And uh, every night we'd go. Get, get hammered yeah you know go out to eat and just the time that we spent together with sammy and marvin and latoya um who are still with us uh man I, I'll, I'll cherish that forever it was such a good time that's awesome yeah. so um the investor pulls out and now you're left with okay we have this concept we know it's going to work we we feel confident what happened from there to open Pelly Pelly kitchen how do you go, like, did you just find a different group or did you just got do it on we your own? We just started, you know, we found some private investment. Good. Um, we, okay. we work with this new platform called NextSeed. Okay. And NextSeed is, I think, one of the first or few debt crowdfunding platforms approved by the SEC. Okay. Um, and they allow unaccredited investors to invest in businesses. It doesn't, it didn't exist before. We saw Chapman and Kirby, you know, it was like a really hot club out yeah, in yeah. East Downtown. Um, and they had a really successful fundraise on it. So we're in banks, man, banks hate restaurants, you know, and they only want to give you money when you don't need it, which doesn't make sense, yeah. right? Uh, and they hate growth. And so we're, we're having troubles with banks and uh, we still use banks, but, you know, Nexi kind of bridged the gap. You know, they helped us kind of get capital enough for us to help open Pelly Pelly Kitchen. Yeah. And we ended up with 128 individual investors who like love 
and rave about our concept all the time. That's awesome. And that was cool. So you got 120 brand ambassadors for exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. And so I was like, man, that's totally worth it. It's totally, it was a great experience. We, we, when we refinanced our bank loan, our SBA, we paid it off in a year. So, so we end up, we're, we're 10 days away from closing on our second one for Austin. Wow. And we currently have, I think, the biggest debt crowdfunding for a restaurant ever. That's huge. I think we're at eight hundred thousand right now, and the max is I think a million. Wow! Congratulations. Um, and I think we're at three hundred fifty plus individual investors already. So I can't wait to meet like this new family. Yeah. You know. So so, so you cool. get so Pally Pally Kitchen launches in November, and uh, things have been going great out there by all accounts. The mm-hmm. reviews have been good. Yeah. Uh, everyone's supporting it. And then uh, you're like, let's go open Katie. And Katie was already underway, I'm sure, at Katie, this point. we've been looking for location, And a lot of people don't realize that locations take a long time. I mean, yeah. from the time that we announced signing Katie to opening, it was almost a year. Really? Yeah. Man. And so, you know, Austin uh, should open by the end of the year in December. Katie, literally, we're opening this week. Uh, our, you know, we, our official grand opening is next Monday, but we're already having the doors open. I'm sure you so got people, that can walk in and try us out and a lot of our customer base already coming out and getting yeah. ready but i i live in katie my family's been out there since 1979 i, I went I graduated from may creek high school um i love katie i mean i love the community mm-hmm. and so to have one two miles away from my house now is 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 a dream yeah, absolutely so I, I, I love it that's know? cool man that yeah. that's cool to see that in just you know, what, 12 years 10 years roughly yeah that it's gone to the point where eight, it's been 10 years, eight, eight. years, eight years. So 2000, yeah, eight years that now it's starting to grow. It's starting to get to that point where, where you're looking at even bigger things, right? Yeah. So Austin is at the end of the year. That's going to be your first out Outside. of Houston. That's yeah, right. So the first out market. Uh, what's after that? What, what's the, we want to add another Pelly Pelly kitchen in, in Austin. Mm-hmm. So they'll have one of each and then, uh, potentially having a fine dining and a fast casual in the DFW area, Dallas yeah. would be great, um, and then perhaps San Antonio. We really want to to make sure that Texas embraces us. We want to be, we're proud of being from this region, and I don't want to expand outside the state until everyone in Texas is loving us. So yeah, we, we've got a we've got a lot of work to do still. Absolutely, and that's 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 got to be cool. That now, like you're in a process of okay, we got to make sure it works here, makes there, yeah. and then you can start thinking about the bigger picture. Um, let me ask you, with with the success of it now, and I'm sure it's still growing, it's still uh, a business that's going to evolve, mm-hmm. but what was the one moment, if there was one moment where it was a, all right, this is like, we made it now. Mm. This is like, we're going to be okay. I know you briefly hit on it before, but it was there a moment that everyone just realized that, all right, this is good. We're, we're fine. We're on the right track. I, I think if I had to pick one, it would be beating out, overtaking Uchi for the number one spot on TripAdvisor. I think it was around 2013 or 14. Mm-hmm. A lot of people thought we we're fucking crazy because they're like, there's no way. And if you look at the top 10, it's it's the who's who. Sure. I mean, I think right now Chamagacha is number one, and they're they're awesome. Yeah. Um, you have all the favorites, Eddie V's. I mean, all the guys that know how to run a restaurant um, are up there. Mm-hmm. So to be in that conversation um and then to go from nobody to number one it takes a lot of of it not only takes a lot of five-star reviews it takes a lot of people that leave happy because a lot of people don't realize 
those one stars were destroyed. Yeah. And so, you know, for us, you know, Vintage Park, I think in, what, eight years, we have like nine one stars. Really? Um, out of thousands. So it's it just speaks volumes to how hard our team works at every location. Our staff is amazing. Mm-hmm. Management is awesome. I mean, I, Paul and I aren't running the store, so we don't get a lot of credit for that. You yeah. know, all the credit goes to all the people that run our restaurants, you know, so we love them for that. So what's the one piece of advice you could offer to uh, students that are listening to this? Because we do have a lot of young listeners and anybody that's just in a, in a job that they might not be happy with. Uh, what's one piece of advice that you could offer? Uh, money ain't everything. You know, I, I think money is the first thing that people think about when they they think, oh, I can't do this or I'm, I'm not going to make as much money. Of course, you're not going to make as much money. I mean, if, if you were going to leave one job to pursue a dream, mm-hmm. if it was, if it, if you got the same amount of money, I mean, it doesn't even make sense, right? I mean, it just depends on what is the, what's the price of your happiness, really. Yeah. Um, uh, I always, there's a new quote that came online, you know, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? You know, and that, that means that I spent a lot of time trying to justify my decisions. Ah, oh, shit, man. I already spent, paid for law school. I did this. Yeah. How could I possibly leave it? And it doesn't matter, right? Because I was unhappy. So either I continue and I'm just still unhappy or at least, you know, go for it and know that, you know what? Hey, look, you tried it. Didn't work. Yeah. I can be unhappy knowing that at least... At least you tried it. At least I tried it, yeah. man. And, and that, I think... You know, when you talk to older people, especially even now, people that are like in our age, 40s, they're going through that midlife crisis. Everyone's biggest regret is, man, I wish I would have already, right? I wish I'd done they, it they at 40, yeah. Not even at 50 or 60. Already at 40, people are like, damn it. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? And a lot of times it comes down to, man, I would have got paid less or I wouldn't have made as much money. But I'm like, I think right now you'd throw all the money yeah. to have that chance back, right? So... To me, I'm like, when I talk to people, money's always kind of the first thing. They're like, how am I going to you know, make things work? I'm like, look, if I had to move back home and listen to my mom bitch about how stupid my decision was for about two years, mm-hmm. I mean, I, all my loans redoubled back from interest. I mean, it was a massive financial loss. Yeah. But I wanted it so bad, you know. And, and, and I think it's easier nowadays to make it work. I mean, you know. There are there are ways to make it work, and, and it doesn't take as long nowadays either. Yeah, right now is the perfect time, man. Um, with technology and with Facebook technology, and all, the yeah. information that's out yeah. there, the I mean, just the 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 communication gap is closed. Like, if you want to be a manufacturer, you can you can easily. Oh, my dad's calling me. Here you go. I'm gonna hang up on him. <laughs> He's called my dad. Got Asian parents, you know, they always, they always right. they're checking it. Uh, but right now, it's such an easy time. Like the communication gap between if you want to make something in China, yeah. you can reach out to him and you would get an email Anyone, back right yeah. away. You, it, there is no more. If you're a chef, you could do a pop up at anyone's place yeah. for free. I mean, you know, so then try it out. And then you could have a Facebook page. I mean, it's so much easier now. Yeah. Like back then, you'd have to have a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You don't have to anymore. I mean, not at all. You don't we had to- uh, Grant Pinkerton on. Uh, he opened up a he opened up his first restaurant, Pinkerton Barbecue, yeah. out there in the Heights. Uh, he, he's twenty seven, twenty eight, roughly. Same thing. He just did pop ups. Yeah, he's young. He's not even thirty yet. No, he's doing pop ups, mm-hmm. pop ups, pop ups. 
All right, I'm saving up some money. Yep. All right, let's get this and let's open up the first one. Yep. Uh, I have a buddy on Facebook, Wade Elkins, who um, uh, my oh, yeah. yard barbecue. Wade is awesome. Wade's a good dude, uh, and he's starting to do his pop ups, and yep. you know, like that's cool to see, and it's so easy to do. And there's also groups, and and with Facebook now, your community can rally around mm-hmm. you. You can get that message out so much faster. Yep. Uh, with whatever business it is, um, you guys do a lot with Good Eats Houston, right? Would you? Like, would yeah. you? I mean, every almost every everyone. You you guys Houston. try to do as much. Yeah. Everyone. That's cool. Um, what's the one marketing tip you could give to mm. entrepreneurs or anybody that's running their business, small business, big business, whatever it is? What's the one marketing tip? Um, marketing is to me is grounded in real relationships. Um, if you're not creating real relationships, I think you're wasting your time. You know, I think our the world that we live in now appreciates. I mean, you can't buy that anymore. It yeah. has to be cultivated, right? That's a good point. And if you don't, mm-hmm. if you don't build a real relationship with your customers, they there's new places opening every day, yeah. and they'll forget about you. And if you're thinking, oh, I have the best food, you don't have the best food. I mean, we don't have the best food. We don't have the best service. It's impossible. Yeah. Uh, we live in a city with 10,000 awesome restaurants with some titans here. Yeah. There's no way. But also perfection, like your rec- like my perfection of food is different from yours. Correct. Your service is different from mine. Like you can't, per- you can't be perfect in everyone's That's eyes right. either, no matter how hard you try. I, Sorry I, to cut I, you off. I truly believe that our customers eat at Pelly. They like the food. I hope they do. I'm sure yeah. they like it. I think they I doubt yeah. that it's their favorite. Um, again, same thing with the service. I think they really like our staff. Yeah. Um, probably technically not as sound as other restaurants. Um, but I think overall they just like who we are. They, mm-hmm. I think they all, everyone knows the stories of the three owners. Um, and also I think they like what we stand for. Sure. I think they like our message of diversity. And I mean, we're the most multicultural restaurant in Houston. I, I feel that. South um, African food owned by... Vietnamese guys, Vietnamese yeah, guys, yeah. And, and Chef Paul. <laughs> like you can't get, you can't. So get I think more people di- like yeah, that, yeah. and and, I, and we spend all of our time getting to know our customers and, and letting them, s- like we're very transparent, and yeah. so I think they appreciate that, and there's a connection there that can't easily be replaced by just another shiny object. Gotcha. You know? All right, if you had to pick one thing off your menu at Peli Peli, what mm. would it be? Man, I wish I could tell you some cool things, but. I, you know, there's one item on the menu that I've eaten once a week, at least every week since 2009. What is it? Fact, and it's our lamb chops. Okay. Uh, I I think our lamb chops are the best in Houston. I eat them every week. Um, they're great. Paul did a phenomenal job with his. That's cool. They're lollipop lamb chops. If if you if you ever see me at the restaurant, I'm all, often just eating them with my hands. My yeah. wife's like, "You're a restaurateur. Please don't eat with your hands." Yeah. But I'm like, you know what? I hate it when wife says My wife, hate, she hates <laughs> it when I eat with my hands. I'm like, that's okay. how I do it. I'm Tastes kind of better, a Neanderthal. Man. Yeah. Especially with meat. You have to use your hands, man. There's man, I'm something... not trying to impress anyone while I eat. Exactly. You're married. <laughs> hey, guess what? You're stuck with me now. That's it's right. Tough luck. Um, okay. What's the one thing at the Peli Peli Kitchen? Ooh, man, I would have to say toss up between our sticky toffee cupcakes and the uh, pork belly taco. Okay. And the taco we do on non bread. Um, we, man, Paul did a great job on that too. We, we got best new taco at Taco Landia last year. Cool. And, um, man, it was just nice that people embraced a unique taco. Um, 
I knew when Paul was creating this, I was like, man, we're in taco, the taco capital of the U.S. pretty much, yeah. you know, so we better better have a legitimate one, but he did a great job. It's still one of my favorite things at the restaurant. All right, if you could eat one dish or mm. one food item that's not at your restaurant group, mm. what is it? Dang it. That's a tough one, and we're in Houston again, so it's uh, You know, and it all changes all the time, right? Sure, sure. But, uh... Well, Man. give me your top three then. Top three. And in order. So you, I need a number one. Mm. I need that one meal that My you, go-to? and you, yeah, your go-to meal, you know it's going to be good. You know, I would have to say, I guess there's two things that I, I have to have on a, on the regular. One is uh, banh mi from uh, this place called Wing Nga. It's uh, N-G-U-I-N and then N-G-O. It's on the corner of uh, Bel Air. Across from the Hong Kong supermarket. At okay. Boone. So Boone and Bel Air, hands down, best authentic bun me in the city. All right, you gonna, I'm going to have to go try that it's one. It's awesome. Right? And um, I also there's also a spicy soup called uh, Bumba Wei. And Dick Jung does it. Two Bowls does it. But it's a spicy pho, if you can imagine. Yeah. It's not pho. People, Vietnamese people don't hate me for that. I'm just trying to explain it. Yeah, yeah. It's a noodle, spicy noodle soup. And... I love it because it's it just has this flavor. My wife and I we get ingredients for it. She loves Asian food, mm-hmm. and uh, those are kind of the two things. I wish I had better answers, but no, man, those are those are real. Those are the answers <laughs> I want. Those are the answers I want. I love hearing from other people. Like, what is your go-to meal in Houston? Because there's so many. As you mentioned, there's thousands and thousands of restaurants. Everyone's gonna have something different. Like yeah. it's just impossible. And then Vietnamese crawfish, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. That's, once you go Vietnamese crawfish, you never can't go, go back. back. You can't I go mean, back. I tell everyone. Nobody listens to me. I'm like, I it's can't. Not, and it's not about it being Vietnamese. I mean, one is is boiled in Cajun spices. I get it. But yeah. one is boiled in Cajun spices, and then it's dipped in a bag of garlic butter. Yeah. What are you going to eat? Exactly. I mean, it's not, it's not a matter of who's better. It's just, I mean, it just has more flavor. Yeah. So, like, I, know, I, I, I tell crawfish I, purists, don't hate me. I'm just telling I will tell crawfish you know. people all the time, <laughs> you guys are dumb if you don't eat Vietnamese crawfish. Yeah, you know why? They're like, oh, no, man, that's how I grew up. Okay, guess what? Everybody grew up wearing Converse shoes playing basketball, but now That's everyone true. wears LeBrons. You know and, why? And, because they're better. And, and I'm sure if they embraced it, uh-huh. they might be able to do it better. Yeah. I mean, it's just simply adding more flavor to the crawfish. Absolutely. And there's already, there's, a, there's already such a small payoff on crawfish. If you can add more flavors to it where yeah. at least it makes it worth it, man. Oh, and I don't know who ah, doesn't just, like garlic butter. I mean, all these different. I mean, it's yeah, just coated in it. It has so much more that's flavor. the best part. It's yeah. just you get, you, when you suck the head and you got all the butter so and the good. garlic in there. No, don't and fuck with normal crawfish. Has a, they do a dipping sauce. I heard about that. So, I didn't get a chance oh, to. Uh, it's next level. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. That's awesome. All right, so I got to do a recommendation here. Um, over the weekend, so we're done talking restaurants. Cool. Now we're going to talk some music for a second. All right. Did you, did you get a chance to watch the Defiant Ones on HBO yet? Dude, my wife and I are obsessed with that right now. I, we've been through the first two. I love it. I, at first, I was like, who, who's Jimmy? Was Ivy? Ivy, right? yeah. And I was like, who is? I don't even know who that guy is. And I, I Googled him, Wikipedia him. And then we watched it. So well done. It's so well done. Wait till part three. So you did you grow up listening to hip hop? I did. You, I mean, you grew up here in I Houston. Um, I think and, every kid. I mean, listen to NWA, Ice mm-hmm. Cube. I just didn't. No one knew the backstory. Yeah, it's so fascinating to me. Now, and it's like you know? four guys. Like you know, with Easy E, obviously had some connections. The gangster, the the money connection. Mm-hmm. You know, he sold. Like it's out there. Dre. Dre wasn't like this gang banging dude. Like yeah. he kind of turned into he had a, a true passion for yeah. music. Though. He's just and that's, music. That's cool to see. I, I didn't yeah. realize 
how he started from the DJing mm-hmm. and you know hearing his like inspiration as far as music. Sure. And I'm like, man, this guy is truly a fan of music. Yeah. Right? And even Ice, I mean, all of them been. Cube able to even see, had an interesting story. You're just like Cube, just a just to see where just, they've come now. It's man, yeah. that's the American dream. That's crazy. Man, you know? I like I. So part three. You're going to lose your mind. And I, really? I, I, I texted my brother. My brother is 35 years old. So, of course, we grew up on hip-hop. We grew up listening to, you know, we, we didn't get into NWA because we moved here from Pakistan when I was five. So we didn't get into our, like, first real rap group where we got into it was Bone Thugs and Harmony. Nice. <laughs> and then we went back and, of course, you know, uh, we listened to uh, Doggy Style. We did, of course, then get the Chronic mm-hmm. because as you start becoming more of a hip-hop fan, the Chronic still is... When you put it on, you're just like, holy shit. How hearing, is this? Hearing again. Chronic was, was is. Awesome. I mean, my wife and I went back and, time. and downloaded yeah. Nothing But G Thing, all these songs. I think Always Into Something, I just downloaded because I heard it on the yeah. thing. I was like, oh, my God, these are all old school. And then all the Tupac and all the Biggie back then, too. Mm-hmm. Just realizing how it all Yeah. Wait till connected. that's where episode three, you're going to lose your mind. Okay. Because that's where, like, episode three goes from about 94 Till the end of that era, the okay. end of the Biggie. Wow. And it actually goes even beyond that. It goes right up until Eminem. Wow. And then part four is Eminem on and like the resurrection of Dre's career. But man, part three, that one and a half hours is the greatest rockumentary I've man. ever seen. Yeah. Like, I, there was moments where I was like, I was, I had chills because it was like, holy shit. That moment and the way they show it, yeah, yeah. man. It's like the behind the scenes of mm-hmm. everything that happened. I'm like, wow, this is yeah. so, so interesting. Man, it is a great documentary. Highly recommended. Yeah. I, I burned through it. I stayed up and just finished it. Because they released all four parts, which I love HBO yeah. doing. Thank you, HBO, for doing that. Um, but, man, that documentary is so well done. Like That lit a fire in me now where I'm like, man, I got to figure out. <laughs> like, How do you turn your passion into a billion dollars? No, like, but that all was those it, guys like, too. Because before that, like a few months ago, they did that new edition story. On, oh, I didn't um, see that on one. BET. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I was really into eighties and nineties R and B. Sure. And you know, I didn't know it's the same thing with new edition. I know that was in more of a, uh, a fictionalized you know story mm-hmm. format, not a documentary, but still fascinating. I think a lot of it was based on uh, facts as well. But yeah. just hearing that backstory, hearing how they came to be, all their struggles, mm-hmm. uh, man. I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Jimmy Iovine had a great lesson in there. Uh, and you kind of hit on this is know what you're doing really well. Like, what are you mm-hmm. doing really well? And don't go away from that. Yeah. Don't don't try to redefine it. Just know what you're doing. Like, if you're going to focus on customers and that is your that is it. Focus on them. Keep yeah. focused on them. Listen to them. And his was, hey, they really like this rap, this gangster rap stuff. Why would we go again? Yeah, yeah. Why would we go away from this as a record label? In fact, we should let them be free. Let yeah. Let them do what they do really well. And that's a lesson that everyone has to learn, you know, especially management. His, is, his story was awesome, too. Yeah. I mean, to be able to put in position. Mean, I didn't even knew he, he was that successful. Well, I didn't know. It, I mean, if you, if you look at his beginning, there's nothing from his early career that speaks to how he ended up. Yeah. You know, he wasn't, didn't seem like he was that great of a student. I don't think he finished college, right? Yeah, he didn't. Um, you know, he was, but he ended up doing something he was passionate about. And he worked his ass off yeah. for it, um, and he took advantage of opportunities that presented itself. So, man, that's a really it's a inspiring great thing. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and he obviously has an ear for 
And that's the thing. Talent. Figure out what you yeah. like. It's because he liked music. He liked it. And he, there is that, that gift that comes with it, obviously. If you're going to be the best at what you do, which he is, there's an ear that comes with it. But he had to refine that. Yeah. Like, how do you go from, you know, finding you two and be, working with you two? Because yeah. he didn't find them. He worked with them. Mm-hmm to taking a chance on the chronic yep, and then death row records letting them run wild and then you'll see it i don't want to spoil it but lady gaga he's you know that's another one how do you go from like four or five different uh, nine inch nails and Trent oh, yeah, Reznor, yeah, that part. marilyn yeah. uh marilyn, marilyn manson. manson like how do you go from the, uh, from you two all going across all spectrums and then get to where you are yep. which uh, working with apple now with beats music but it's I think he great. was able to tell, and that's the same thing in our industry. How do you tell the difference between something that people are just feeling like, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. And then things that make people rave about. Sure. And I think he was able to see that in the music industry. I think when, when, it, when all that, st- when NWA first came out, people weren't just feeling it. I mean, they were like, what the fuck is this? This is awesome. Yeah. And so he, I think he, he got really good at seeing People be and I remember Nine Inch Nails was huge back. Yeah, Nine Inch Nails was. Kids so. don't understand, but I remember in the '90s, massive. Everywhere, I mean, everywhere. Reznor was huge. Yeah. And so I think he got he understood like what takes people to that next level. Yeah. The emotions that are involved. Yeah. And that's that's a big skill. That's cool. I a lot had, of people get everything mixed. Lost. They're like, oh, it's good, great. No, do you good need is that, not great. That. Good is like, you know, a lot of people are really good, but few people are great to where it evokes that like passion and mm-hmm. that, you know that I, mm. I had no idea like i was in middle school when uh east coast west coast is going on so i'm like immersed in this, this is my th- i love i'm like oh yeah tupac will fucking murder biggie right and i love to i love west coast rap and of course there was that counterculture at school of nine inch nails yeah and marilyn manson all that stuff and you're just like oh those kids are kind of weird you know i had no idea that they were running together and how parallel those yep. stories are mm-hmm. with the Trent Reznor had uh Marilyn yep. Manson Dre had Snoop is just fascinating man it's a cool documentary make sure you guys check it out also Thomas make sure people check out Pelly Pelly oh yeah please uh you can find them everywhere the website is uh pellypelly.com we are we have three locations Katie Vintage Park and Galleria participating in Houston Restaurant Weeks which starts in August Cleverly's done an awesome job with that yeah Great way for 45 bucks to get value, true value. Yeah. And we're putting on all of our best items on the menu. Cool. Which we're putting on those Korean-inspired short ribs. We're putting on a new oyster appetizer. I want people to try out the best things and get it at a good uh, discount. Yeah. So come and see us. Go check it out in uh, Kelly, uh, Pelly Pelly Kitchen, excuse me, Pelly Pelly I-10 Kitchen. Campbell. If you're looking for something more family-oriented, if you're looking for something uh, on lower than 15 bucks, but you want a lot of flavor with it, mm-hmm. come and see us as well. Um, we got tacos, oxtail, all about comfort foods. Um, our cupcakes are awesome. Nice. I mean, just if you're looking for something different, you don't want to spend a lot and you love what we do, mm-hmm. I think people will like Pelly Pelly Kitchen too. I appreciate it. Thank you uh, for joining me on the man, podcast. Thanks it was for a blast, awesome. man. Let's Thank do you. it again. Let's yeah. do it. When that Austin location's opening up, we'll do it again. Oh, uh, yeah. Talk about Austin the struggle. Edition, yeah. Right. We got to do the Austin. Hopefully, we're celebrating some more wins for the football team come December. I'm feeling them, man. I'm, I think Tom Herman, good. let's do this. I, it's good. It's you know they're playing USC to start the season. I love it in California. I love it. I don't hey, think I'm gonna go to that it's one. Time to put up a shut up. Okay? Yeah, I think we have the team for it. I, I'm I'm excited. I'm ready too. It's a culture change for sure. Thomas, thank you so much. Hey, we man, appreciate thank it. You. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe and rate the podcast, please. 
H-Town Sneaker Summit. Go check out their website. July 30th, the event is coming up. Check out their storefront also, 59 in South Shepherd. McGrath Pest Control, 5% off your first treatment. McGrathPestControl.com and HTownDental.com. Get your dental work done with people that you trust because that's my brother. I trust him. You should trust him also. He and his partner, Bobby, are doing great things. Go there, HTownDental.com. Real Show's out. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much.